This is Chris Taylor, and I want to invite you to a special webinar about giving your husband oral sex. We'll be both biblical and practical with information about anatomy, a treasure trove of techniques, and how to deal with common problems such as a gag reflex and swallowing. Register today to join us on Thursday, July 16th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The cost is $10, but you also have the option of purchasing all three of our 2020 webinars for $25, so it's a $5 savings. And it's okay if you have to miss the live event. We'll be sending you the replay afterward. I hope you can join us. Welcome to Sex Chat for Christian Wives, where four marriage and sex bloggers discuss the naked truth. What does God really want for the sexual intimacy in our marriage? I'm Jay Parker of Hot, Holy, and Humorous. I'm Chris Taylor from The Forgiven Wife. I'm Gay Christmas of Calm, Healthy, Sexy. I'm Bonnie Burns of Oyster Bed 7. Welcome to another episode of the Sex Chat for Christian Wives podcast. Today, we're talking about making space in your life for sex. And whether you're listening to this in the time of COVID, which is when we're recording it, or at a time when things are more back to normal, you probably have some sense of what it means to make space or to have a lack of space in your life for sex and intimacy or just for enjoying your marriage in general. So to begin, let's talk about what it means to make space in your life. Ladies, what does that mean to you? And how does it differ or does it differ from making time in your life for something? Making space for sex means that it's able to be on my radar and occupy one of my burners. (laughs) And if I'm just making time for sex, it's not on a burner, it's on a to-do list. That's a good analogy. I was thinking of it as space just being a more uh, comprehensive way of thinking about it because space to me includes the time, the uh, location, the mental focus, the just just all those kinds of things that that there's space in my life for this activity. So and I and I like that phrasing a lot. Mm-hmm. And as I was thinking about that question, I was thinking about just in my life in general, I do think making time is different from making space because making space is a richer concept. I mean, mm. Making time is just setting aside, you know, a chunk of time. But it seems to me that making space involves more of a mental decluttering, you mm. know, making yourself more available mentally for anything but especially in the sexual arena, I think, when stress is such a downer, that making space is a really good concept. Yeah, I think that's all good. I, th- I think it's comprehensive, too, and it's mental and physical. I think it's like saving <laughs> some physical energy in your life for this, for something that's important to you, in addition to mental energy. And there's also just to me that even the physical space, like, um, you know, if you have clutter, not only in your mind, but in your home, um, or I've talked to a lot of women who there's, um, there's not really space even in their bedroom for sexual intimacy because 
there's so much kid stuff in there. There's so much, you know, mm-hmm. stuff in there. It's just, there's laundries on the bed. Like, I mean, just, just the daily things of that. And so it's hard to declutter your mind when your external atmosphere is decluttered, is, is so cluttered as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. So what are the things that tend to take up the most space in women's lives? Oh, I guess I just named one. <laughs> Jumped ahead. Yeah. It's not even necessarily that there's that there are things that take up big amounts of space, but there just are so many things that take up space. So even, you know, keeping track of the kids' appointments or who needs a birthday card put in the mail, it doesn't take up a lot of space, but it takes up space. And when you have a bunch of little things together, it takes up a lot of space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think responsibilities, whether it's your family, your work, church, whatever it is, that's what takes up a lot of space is just checking off all of your obligations and what you've got to get done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree. I think, uh, too, it's interesting. I had a conversation with my husband the other day where I was asking him to run a couple of errands. And they were like small things where you just had to, you know, walk in and mail something, walk in here and return something and blah, blah, blah. And I told him, I said, you know, this is the stuff that I used to do all the time. And I said, you probably didn't realize it, but like once a week, I would just take an afternoon and I would basically run all the errands. Now, I know a lot of people will do that on a weekend or whatever. My my schedule was such that that's how I did it. But he didn't realize how much time that took and that I would gather all those things together and do it that way. But that was part of the the things that took up my space is making those lists and making those things happen. And it was an ongoing thing. I think those little things really add up. I think for some women, uh, their job takes up a lot of space for some women, mm-hmm. their children, either because of their ages or because of their needs, just really occupy a lot of their mental and emotional energy for some women as the, as it moves away from their children, it might become their parents or, mm-hmm. you know, some other older person in their lives. Um, so I'm going to say sometimes church is what takes up space. Yeah. If you're the one who volunteers for everything mm-hmm. and you're at church three nights a week and you've got to make costumes for some program or, Make sure that you get all the contributions to take to the food pantry. You know, sometimes we let church take up too much space in our lives. And that doesn't mean you're letting God take up too much space because God should always be there. But we let church stuff. And I know that's going to be really an unpopular with some people. No, it's, you know, I, I think that was synergy right there because I was about to say something that I had just started reading this book, emotionally healthy spirituality, I think is yeah, Peter's Sarazzo or something. Sarazzo. Yes. I've read that. It's a really good book. I, well, I'm not that far into it. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, but, but one of the points he makes is that sometimes we use God to avoid God and it, it's that like, we, we use um, religious things or church or, you know, good, good things, things that are good, but we use them sometimes as a way of avoiding other things that we really should 
be investing in. And usually those things that we should be investing in are relationships with God and his people. And that includes your husband. And so it can be easy to be like, well, you know, I don't have time for this because I've got Bible study and I've got this volunteer service thing I'm doing and blah, 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 and da, da, da. And you kind of have to think about where your space is and is it really and truly where you should be putting your focus. Mm-hmm. Right. In the past, I've felt really successful when I'm really busy. Mm-hmm. And I think I was just taught that growing up, that practical, you've always got to be doing, you're lazy if you're sitting down. And somehow my identity has gotten interlaced with those responsibilities. And after reading the book that you're talking about, Jay, I realized that I think I'd be more rested and feel more relaxed and be able to take in what God has for me better if I was more like Mary and less like Martha. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So how can a lack of space in the way that we've been talking about it affect sex and intimacy in marriage? I think even that idea of the busyness, is it not only does it just pull time away from from sex, which it obviously can, but for me, I also feel like we don't just spend time enjoying each other's company. And um, I'm going to steal this from Bonnie, investing in the friendship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you had your absolutely, <laughs> thank you. Um, Cross it off. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, investing in that and just hanging out together and doing things that will foster romance and companionship and making space for that, that paves the way for a sexual connection. And I've also found in my own life that I need to make time for myself to truly replenish my, my energy levels. And when I'm so busy, I don't have time for my husband. I don't even have time for myself. And then when it does come time, you know, there's an opportunity for sex. My brain is in so many different places and I just don't have the energy to be there, not just for him, but even for my own enjoyment of sex. And we just, you know, a lot of people talk about how we need more margin in our lives. And I think Mm -hmm. that's without margin, everything just goes boom, 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 right in a row. And there's no chance for transition, Mm -hmm. for taking a good deep breath and preparing yourself to really focus on what's right in front of you. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, what about the things that just crop up? You have no margin, you have no space Mm -hmm. for the, you know, the craziness of life that just kind of happens all the time. But I was going to mention, you know, as Chris was talking about all those things going on, um, lack of space probably means you've got a lot of stress in your life and stress Mm. really kills sexual interest. Yeah, I still I still like that burners uh, analogy. (laughs) I mean, I'm sort of picturing a stove with four burners and four pots and stuff bubbling in all of them you know, representing different areas of your life. And then you're like, oh, there's no space for sex. Where, where, you know, (laughs) where's the place and the energy and the whatever for heating that up? Oh, well, it's, you know, it's not there. 
or you or you turn to the idea of well okay if i'm gonna have to squeeze it in i guess i'll just use the microwave or the instant you know what i'm saying like <laughs> or the instant gonna, well i was thinking the microwave because it'd be like that's all the time i have like you get one minute in the microwave <laughs> like yeah, it's so not gonna it, taste nearly as good as yeah, when, cooked it on the when, stove you want you want to sometimes have the slow simmer of sex oh that's a pretty yeah. good alliteration that's a good like, like the nice <laughs> sauce that sat on the back burner and simmered all day oh. and all the flavors <laughs> blended <laughs> <laughs> So what are some things that women can do to make space in their lives for not only enjoying sex and intimacy, but has already, as has already been mentioned for enjoying your marriage and your spouse in general? I always like to suggest that women recruit their husbands. And I was sharing this on another podcast, um, talking about a, a co-worker I had who came in and we, we was a, an office of all women and we were talking about how we handled so much of the housework and the chores and everything at home. And one of the women said, well, my husband came to me and he said, honey, what can I take off your plate for you? And the entire rest of the room just, oh, we melted. We were so jealous. Just the idea of not having to give somebody a list, but just take the whole Mm -hmm. all of something and not even having to be any responsible for that at all. And what happened there was he gave her, he said, well, why don't you give me a few ideas of what you would like me to take off your plate? She gave him a list of four things and he picked two. So he handled the kid's bedtime and he made their lunches before school and she never had to remind him or say, Hey, it's a kid's bedtime or even putting on the grocery list the things that he needed to make their lunch, he put those things on the one on the mm. list, and so it's like it cre cleared the whole stove for her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is nice. They threw out the microwave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, going back to the kitchen analogy, I read today. I was doing a little research for this. The thought of opening a kitchen drawer and taking everything out of it and thinking of all those things as pieces of your life. You know, and then as you sort through a drawer, inevitably you can throw out a few things. So as you think of your life, sort through it and figure out what you can throw out. What can you give to Goodwill? What's not necessary anymore? And that could help make some space. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking how it took me so long in my life to learn to say no. <laughs> that. Just because something also was a good idea didn't mean that it was the season for me to do it. Didn't mean that I was the person to do it. Didn't mean it had to be done tomorrow. Whatever. No is a complete sentence. <laughs> um, you don't have to explain yourself either when you do that. And you just say, no, I don't think that that's something I, I need to be doing right now. And I do remember too, one time, talking to somebody about, well, if I don't volunteer for this thing at church, then it won't happen. Okay. And then it's like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I said to the person, I said, if that's the only thing standing between this church having that ministry and not, then it's not a ministry of the church. It's not something your church is supposed to be doing if you're the only one who can and will do it. <laughs> so I learned that years ago from a woman at church who had 
she said, you know, I'm, she had done our vacation Bible study for several years and she said, I'm not doing it. I said, well, who will do it? And she said, that doesn't have to be my problem. Yeah. If nobody else steps forward to do it, maybe God is saying it doesn't need to be done at this time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as it turned out, of course, there were people who had been wanting to be involved, but had felt they weren't needed because she had done such a good job. They stepped forward and made it a thriving, vibrant program. And 20 years later, that same group is still in charge of it mm-hmm. because she was willing to say no. A good, good ministry became even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I have a post about five words that women are so hard to say, but we need to learn to say them. So, of course, one is no, one is not now, Mm -hmm. and one is no longer. So I will, no, I can't do that now. And also, I can no longer do this thing that I've been doing for a long time. And I think all of those are hard to say, but they're very effective for freeing up space in your life for stuff that you really want to bring into it. And I think going on a slightly different tangent, a lot of my headspace is filled with worry. Mm-hmm. And I've learned, <laughs> I've been practicing trusting God more. And I know that sounds bad that I have to practice, but really it's kind of a, it's kind of a re, re, um, rebuilding my thought processes. So anyways, I've decided that I will do what I can to fulfill my obligations and I will navigate what comes up incidentally in life, but then I'm going to give the rest to God. I'm not going to worry about if there's going to be enough meat at the next potluck. You know, it's, it's those little things that are silly. God will take care of it. So that's part of my deal. Yeah. One of the other things I think can take up a lot of space is just other people like we can invest a lot in other people that that some of which we should and some of which maybe we don't need to so much like we don't always set great boundaries with other people and I hear this from a fair number of spouses too who'll say well you know he spends all this time with his friends and not enough with me or um, she's constantly dealing with her extended family and then they don't get time as a couple to be together and to be intimate. And maybe part of it is that we need to set some boundaries so that we have space for our spouse and that relationship and our sexual intimacy. That could be my therapy talking. (laughs) (laughs) Therapy works. This is Jay Parker. I want to tell you about our new affiliation with Faithful Counseling. We've talked on our podcast about how counseling can help many wives and couples, but that depends on getting a counselor who is well-qualified, Christian, and right for you. Faithful Counseling is a service that assesses your needs, matches you to a licensed mental health professional who is also a practicing Christian, and provides a platform for professional counseling done securely online. I've had both good and bad counseling experiences in my past, so I tried out a month of therapy with Faithful Counseling, and I cannot speak highly enough for my experience. I was matched with a great counselor who spoke to both my emotional health and my spiritual well-being. But if I hadn't gotten a right match, Faithful Counseling makes it easy and free 
to change counselors. Sessions are typically more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. Get started within minutes at getfaithful.com slash for Christian wives. That's F-O-R Christian wives. Using our link, you can get a special offer with 10% off your first month. That's getfaithful.com slash for Christian wives. Direct link in our show notes. So then I think you, we can also do things at a very like practical, uh, almost in the moment level too, which is if you know, you know, you want to spend some time with your spouse, you want to enjoy some intimacy. I mean, you can structure to some extent your day or your evening in a way that creates immediate space for that, you know, so that you're not, you know, just working, 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 and you're doing everything, taking care of everything, and then it's 10 o'clock and you collapse in the bed. Then you have no space left, no emotional or mental energy. So sometimes you can plan, schedule, Bonnie, and, you know, (laughs) and structure just kind of an immediate time so that you can create that kind of space. You know, I I was just thinking about one of the best decisions I made when I was a professor was to stop checking my email at five o'clock PM. Mm-hmm. And I think right now there are so many people who are, are working from home and those boundaries between work life mm-hmm. and oh, so yeah. life are even more blurred because, you know, you carry your laundry through your office space if you're working at home. Yeah. And I, I worked in a culture where people were responding in, in, to emails in the middle of the night. And so it was not a very popular thing, but I decided my colleagues can wait until 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. for me to read and think about the email. And, you know, I'm not good at following that guideline right now because it just doesn't work for this season of my life. But making that decision and then sticking to it, I cannot tell you how much of my mental space got freed up just by not checking my email. Mm -hmm. And I still did other schoolwork. I was grading papers, but I wasn't doing that time sucker of email. I think that is really relevant for the time that we're recording this because so many people are working from home. I mean, I've definitely seen that. I would typically not check my work email at night unless there was, you know, we were at a deadline or there was a crisis or something. But now my office is in my dining room. And so, you know, it's very easy to walk past and say, oh, what's that new email? you know, and then get sucked into a whole thing. So I've had to be, you know, pretty intentional about like shutting off my computer so I don't even see it at night or, you know, when I don't want to look at it. Yeah, you don't hear the ding. Yeah, I have a tendency to overestimate what I can get done, uh, which makes me like probably mm, 92% of women. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so whoever needs this, I, I'm probably preaching to myself, but maybe you need to hear it too. You own too much stuff. You say yes too often. You, uh, have too much on your to-do list. You expect too much of yourself as a mom in terms of activities. And, uh, that was a big one for me. That last one is I had expectations of myself and what I could accomplish 
And uh, one of the best things I did do is I said no to being the room mom, but that didn't mean I wasn't the team mom and the mom who thought I had to take my kids all these great places and give them fabulous memories. And now that they're in their 20s, I can tell you what they remember most is, yeah, we used to go to McDonald's and like go through the little tunnels. And oh, I remember when we went to that park and we read books at night. And it's really a lot of the small stuff. And they're not treasuring most the memories of the things that cost you a whole lot of time and a whole lot of money. Yeah. So I just kind of let up on yourself a little bit and be more present in your own life. Yeah. Just give yourself some grace, you know, and just take a deep breath. I love everything you've just said, Jay. Mm-hmm. It's been part of this half, the, the last half of my our marriage has been learning what you just said. Yeah. And, and once you hit the empty nest years, I know a lot of you guys are listening to us all a lot of you ladies who are listening <laughs> to us are, you know, young moms in the throes of it, you know, really, really super busy. But if you aren't intentionally making this space for your husband, by the time the empty nest comes, mm-hmm. you're not going to know him. Of course, you can rebuild and that's all possible. I'm not saying all is lost but it just makes it easier in the looking down yeah you know because we ended up having to sort of reconstruct our relationship after nearly 20 years of not good sex and I cannot tell you how many times we have looked at each other and said why didn't we figure this out earlier when we had younger bodies that were more flexible more responsive and when our kids were too young to know what was going on, if they heard the bed squeaking. I want to go back to just one thing that Gay said in the very beginning was that making space can also include your physical body. Mm. And so for me to make space on the days, um, the days that we have a rendezvous scheduled, I don't exercise that day usually um, because it just wipes me out. So that's just one little mm. Oh, that's a given. One little tidbit. And I've also found along those lines, I've found that certain foods make it, make me feel less interested in moving my body and having anything going on around there. So I eat differently when I know that we're going to have sex and I want to really be able to completely enjoy it. No beans. The physical physical reality for women is that we have things, our stomachs and our organs are squished differently than a man's organs are. Oh, 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 I did have one more thing I really want to okay. say related back to what I was saying earlier, which is I have a post about this, but it was so enlightening to me that, that you know, all our lives, I feel like as Christian women, we hear about the Proverbs 31 woman, the Proverbs 31 woman. And I think think when I read that, I thought she was getting all of that done in a day. <laughs> no. Like, and she, no, had no, no, she, she, had she had help. And so I'm like, when you read that, like, do, do not think like that is like accomplished over a long period of time. It's various things like, you know, over and time. <laughs> really want to like combine the Proverbs 31 woman with the Song of Songs woman and right. have that too. Right. <laughs> Because, you know, Proverbs 31 woman is described by the mother-in-law and sex isn't mentioned once. Yeah. Well, <laughs> children are mentioned and we know how they get here. Ah, yes. 
<laughs> I mean, I don't say to my kid, go have sex, but I have more than once said to my married kid, so someday when y'all have grandkids, grandkids, grandkids. <laughs> okay, so ladies, we hope you've gotten some ideas from these <laughs> comments uh, regarding ways to create more space in your life for sex and intimacy in your marriage. Mm-hmm.